Look out. Surging up from the depths of the sea. Horrifying, mysterious creatures whose attack on people sends the whole countryside on an endless search. Unless something is done and done quickly. Is this the end of our civilization? You'll pioneer with us the perilous descent into the unknown. What does that mean? What are you even talking about? A deep, penetrating dive. In the last calm and reflective moment before the monsters came. Humanoids from the deep dive. Welcome to the podcast Humanoids from the Deep Dive, where we dig deep into the meanings and context of your favorite monsters and monster movies. Each episode will see guests, co-hosts, and myself give our take on an important movie, monster, and or film, and what we think it means using everything from history and philosophy to films and folklore. Uh, today we are recording to celebrate the anniversary of one of uh, my one of our favorite monster movies uh, a favorite i'm sure of a lot of you you find folks at home uh we're going to talk about john carpenter's the thing because it's great and it's a lot of fun and the monster's badass so uh i don't really think that needs more explanation that we're pumped about it uh for for a little context we um uh had recorded this exact episode months ago and we were trying a new recording format and it didn't uh work in in the actual file construction part of it so and then we we, we this is our second attempt today at, at steamrolling through this but i have a good feeling about it uh clearly though the thing just doesn't want to be identified and that was our main mistake yeah how dare we yeah, I think it was probably because we actually pieced together what exactly the meant the, the ending of the film means and what happened mm-hmm. to yeah. um to those guys at the end. So it's not it's actually a time traveler coming meant. in to <laughs> fuck up the recording so that this never gets out. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if 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 y'all at home have been listeners the whole time, uh, probably because you're amazing and you're smart, and I can tell. Uh, if not, feel free to check out our past episodes. But one of our first episodes, we we had something similar. We we did an episode on death and the Final Destination films, and we got too close to death's design, and it tried to kill the show. So <laughs> this has happened before, mm-hmm. and we're still plowing through because you matter, and we're not scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so fans of the show can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, now YouTube, and uh anywhere your podcasts are served. And you can follow us on Twitter at HFT Deep Dive. Uh, I'm your host, Jeff Ewing. I write for a bunch of places about a bunch of things. A lot of the times it's monster related because I love that stuff. And that's why I'm here. And I'm I'm pleased to introduce our co-host for this this fine recording, uh, Andre Couture, the um, editor, co-host extraordinaire, and Luna Minwee, uh, one of the coolest people I know because she's cooler than me, and that makes me jealous. Um, it's just because well, I have purple and blue hair. <laughs> I know. I really think I I I would love to rock that, and I don't think I can, and it makes me sad. Um, but anyway, uh, both of you, I'm so happy to, to have you on the show today. Uh, thank you so much and say hi to the peoples. Hello, people. Hello. 
people people <laughs> humans humanoids humanoids oh great um, the thing's already here and we have started recording for how, <laughs> the, what the third fourth time <laughs> i think we're we're gonna power through it is our destiny um uh okay so the thing you know if you uh if you if you listen to this show and you should you probably don't need explained what the thing is because you know among our type of uh peoples it's it's a fairly uh well-traveled cinematic experience but uh for the purposes of setup we'll we'll, we'll dig into it a little bit uh you know the the setup is this uh, there's this remote research institute in uh, in Ar- Antarctica, and the American researchers there come to, um, you know, they let in this dog that's being chased by helicopter from this uh, the set of Nor I, I believe it was Norwegian researchers, um, unless I'm brain glitching, and uh, you know they let it in, and they they realize pretty soon that uh, people start disappearing things start going missing things start going awry and then they come to find out that there is a shape-shifting something that has been let into their their facility and it's in danger it's something that could endanger the entire planet if it got loose let alone just them as they get picked off one by one so um we'll we'll have lots of time to dig into more details etc but um, for now, I, I wanted to kind of start out by, by giving uh, the co-host and myself the floor to talk about our, our you know, take our, our review of the film. So um, uh, go alphabetical, uh, Luna, or wait, no, that's not fucking alphabetical. <laughs> Guys. I gotta be honest. My brain's in eight places at once because we restarted today, and I'm still just like like reverse alphabetical. Well, Who yeah, would like to go first? Alphabetical order. Or I, you know, yeah. I could just put uh, an asterisk uh, before my name, and then it's yeah, then automatically shots up in the alphabet. <laughs> no, Andre, um, go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, like we we look at the thing as this timeless uh film now and like even though it is a remake it it does like really reimagine like the entire uh story that um that was first introduced in the 50s and even then the the short story which i think um it said that it's most accurate to the short story, like as um, as an adaptation, it's closer to like the themes and how the story progresses. But um, it's it's a really great movie. It's almost virtually perfect in every way. So it's really hard not to just jump out of the gate and give it a five star out of five star uh, review. And I mean, that's kind of where I'm leaning towards. Um, mm. There's there's really nothing that I can think of that uh, didn't have to be done in the movie that is shown or implied or um, 
lean towards and like anything that you're looking for thematically in that movie uh, it'll fit um there's mm -hmm. plenty of stuff that happens off screen that is a totally valid reading of the movie and um it, it supports anything like if you provide the evidence for it um it's there so it, it's just as nebulous as like the thing itself so you know it's, it's five out of five stars love it thank you uh luna uh well my review is going to be uh incredibly unique and not repetitive at all um <laughs> one out of that <laughs> i also believe it should be five out of five stars um but i i yeah i completely agree with everything andre just said i think for me specifically i love that there's this like perfect marriage of different types of storytelling in one film and different types of anxieties and horrors because you have like the monster other horror you have the body horror you have the anxiety of the self community um paranoia in group out group fighting like there's just so much and I think that I, I've talked about it on the show before I love sociology and I love studying how people are fucking crazy <laughs> and, so, and this film is really good at that um but then also monsters and also practical practical effects and I'm just a big goddamn fan so five out of five show love it um uh i think both of you brought up uh, a number of the things that i love the most about it um despite all that i have to give it a zero out of five um because wait zero because i thought sometimes you know number one is like the highest so zero would be higher than the highest mm -hmm. is that not what yeah. we're doing no. Okay. So it's a six <laughs> out of no. <laughs> it's a five out of five for me. Um, I'll I'll just plug that in because it's obvious. Uh I think what can I say that's not repetitive right now? Um, I think similarly to the both of you, I think that it's um kind of an unequivocal masterpiece in the sense that every single aspect of it really, really lands. It all works together. The cinematography is beautiful. The score is wonderful. It's very suspenseful. Uh, there's very, there's incredibly high stakes because it, it establishes how deadly and how quick and how apocalyptic the threat is. And it's smart. Um, it's not just like a, a beast hunting you and then disappearing. It's uh, an intelligent thing that builds spaceships and that tricks you and it's it just adds so many elements to it other than the the, the amazing uh practical effects by Rob Botton other than um all the the clever things they did to to build the creature as as a deadly entity it's uh insidious you know like it becomes you uh we'll we'll get into the the themes a little bit more but you don't even know if it has become you, you wouldn't even know if you would be able to tell that that's what happened. And that really comes through in the film. It just works. Kurt Russell has amazing hair. <laughs> Screw you chess computer machines. Um, 
I just love it. And I don't really, I, I've watched it so many times. I don't get tired of it because there's still something else, like a detail that you didn't catch before or something else cool that you didn't notice because you were too distracted by all the other things that were cool. So, yeah. so it's still fresh, you know? Um, yeah. So it's, it's definitely like a, an easy five out of five for me. It's um, uh, just always, a, always a good time. You know, as you can, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can tell that I have a, a, a prominent The Thing poster over my shoulder. Um, it's my first movie poster for a reason. Uh, I just love it. So there's that, not to, to spoil this for everyone. Um, it's funny you mentioned that chess scene. Like, I was trying to think of like, what's a scene that I feel like, like I didn't appreciate or I didn't like, or I could have done without or whatever. And I can't think of one, but that chess scene used to drive me crazy because I, I really don't like in my, like in general, I like male rage at inanimate objects. Like it's so sure. dumb. I, yeah. and anytime I see it, I'm like, oh, so like, I like watched that scene and I, I always get that like little eye rolly gut feeling, but it's yeah. so crucial to the story for like for out for I guess highlighting or outlining humanity like showing because that is a hundred percent the way humans react to things and mm -hmm. are sore losers so anyway it just I, like while I was thinking of my review I was like oh that chess scene always annoys me but then it's crucial so wow yeah. there it is being perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it kind of gives you a peek inside mccready's character too because like there's mm -hmm. a little bit of that captain kirk uh not accepting the no-win scenario in in that mm -hmm. or like you know th there's no rule in chess that you're not allowed to pour a scotch on the keyboard yeah right <laughs> so True. yeah like right i mean if you sabotage it then like nobody wins right so yeah, to like play by to, to you know what if within the rules you're going to lose change the rules you know mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and i mean it's a like you said it's a, a lot of character development in like a minute <laughs> yeah film time which you have to do when you have that many characters and your star is busy all the like running mm -hmm. for the whole <laughs> Yeah. for the whole film mm -hmm. so, yeah no and I, you know i i very much share your uh suspicions i guess about those type of scenes when they're used uncritically right mm -hmm. um and even when they're used for a reason like like in marriage story when adam driver angrily punches the wall i'm just like really like and it's there for a reason you yeah. know i'm not even saying that's a bad scene either but like it's so um prominent of a thing in way less thoughtful ways that it's kind of tired yeah but here i i do think that it's interesting because he's they're about to play because there's so much deception involved in what the thing does and how it operates that they're about to play you know real life chess in a way mm -hmm. and so it's it's a really apt setup in a very subtle way i think and like you're saying there's a lot happening in one minute mm -hmm. <laughs> uh yeah yeah I, i'm with you but i i did have to think through the first like couple times i saw it like 
wait okay so where does this fit in because it seems a little weird but nothing nothing in the film doesn't have a purpose so what's the purpose yeah yeah um so it's it's kind of interesting like uh because the the movie is an adaptation of of the novella who goes there from john w campbell um that's from 38 and and uh, it was this is you know the second adaptation of it historically the on on screen the first one being the original thing from another world from the 50s that was an entirely different type of uh, well thing uh i guess because in (laughs) it it John Carpenter's remake is a lot closer to how the thing operates and is and exists and seems and looks like um, than the original. The original, it was like this kind of humanoid plant monster hybrid thing that um, didn't really operate the same at all. But it was it was a fun movie. Uh, John Carpenter himself loved it and obviously was inspired by it. He made a remake. So... Um, but it's interesting too that they kind of found a way to kind of go back to the source material and evolve that in a way that kind of echoes the paranoia more, that kind of changes it back to more amorphous thing that would have been really hard to do in the 50s, uh, which I think is interesting. And then um, the other thing that I want to highlight is uh, Rob Botton, who... Uh, looking something up while I do this he, he he did all the practical effects as like a fairly young man and it's uh an absurd level of practical creature effects like the kitchen sink there are so many forms that it takes of varying sizes and motility and um like I it just took so many skills but all the different um um but it's just uh, a stellar, you know, accomplishment really from a technical level. Are there any other things that you find folks would like to say about it or, or um, you know, like what it means to you, that sort of thing? Well, without getting too deep into it now, I mean, uh, the... It's interesting that so that the short story came out in thirty eight. This is before, like the the whole Cold War starts coming into the reading of the story. Uh, it's definitely there in Howard Hawks's version, uh, and it's I think at its strongest in Carpenter's. Um, but I think the fear of it is still there in the short story, like out on the horizon which is probably not like personified or anthropomorphized but like put into some unidentifiable form of the thing Uh, and i i think what carpenter does with it so well is that he uh when it's been so the cold war lasted a very long time like through the very end of the 80s like right almost till 1990 so um it's almost like an evolution of how the cold war has affected our internal like day-to-day readings of life and how you like build trust with people and it's um it's a 
it's really perfectly like diabolical evolution of that and it also shows the evolution of this creature that fosters that like that way of thinking about others because mm -hmm. you have no idea what they're capable of um and these people have no idea what the thing is capable of even when they see the spaceship like they don't understand um if there's writing or like recorded messages they can't understand that so there's there's no bridge to um to like deciphering any of it yeah uh no i'm, I'm glad you mentioned that and and the cold war sort of paranoia because it's it's uh there's a lot of really really good sci-fi and horror properties about um like the whole ethos in 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 the cold war and it was you know pumped by mccarthyism and all these things it was like you don't know there was like you know this competing world power that had its own spy organizations and stuff so there was always this competing um fear of like well do you really know your neighbors like do like who's a communist anyone could be a communist operative you know everyone in hollywood is a communist and that was like the whole mccarthyist mm -hmm. thing where they just any if you think like oh maybe workers should have rights they're like communist go to jail um and it was um an incredible national fear at the top level because of their this competing power and so you have a lot of really interesting sci-fi and horror um, properties that kind of echo that feel, fear uh you know like the twilight zone episode the monsters are doing maple street from the 50s um uh, you have um you have so many ones like the, the, there's a number of ones where there's like aliens taking over human form and um you know you don't know who your neighbor is you don't know who that person is and all of those come out of that sort of like cultural ethos and and the original novella was written of course before the cold war but that fueled adaptations from the 50s onward in a really interesting way like you're saying mm -hmm. um, i think it's kind of funny too how um one thing that i i really like about um the film and uh well you know when you actually like dig into the themes and, and do the deep dive portion we can dig in more is i really really love how truly apocalyptic it is um because they even have like a computer calculation of how long it would take the thing if it escaped antarctica to take over the earth and it's not long folks it would take like you know uh we could set our watches to it <laughs> because it, it it absorbs uh victims so thoroughly so quickly and is so insidious and even one particle that establishes is kind of its own thing and could do the trick you know yeah. so you'd have to eradicate it at the atomic level in order to be safe i just love how much that inverts our own sense of self-importance as a species in an interesting way because like we you know human exemptionalism we we trash the earth and think that like we're top dog and that's part of the reason why like creature horror lands so well with people because 
it's scary to think of ourselves as being subject to nature instead of being, you know, subjecting it to our whims. And so the entire Apocalypse trilogy, but but masterfully in the thing is basically just like, yeah, 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 you think you're special. Fuck off. Like, and um, I just love how successfully it does that and establishes that like, because like the, the entity that that arrived in the past in Antarctica and that was buried in the ice and that was unearthed by the Norwegian researchers we see at the beginning, um, that it was, you know, it, it arri- it's intelligent, it arrives by spaceship. This is one thing. Like, this is one singular entity that does all this damage and if it escaped could destroy the Earth of we don't know how many entities so technically speaking as far as we know like the entire universe could just be all things we have no idea um and it's it's a really terrifying thought yeah i think that this lands um for me it's landed in so many different ways over the years but it's funny like lately because we've been living through a pandemic Um, it's interesting because over the years, you know, you watch a movie a billion times and you see it a billion different ways. But, um, since we just have been going through this pandemic, uh, it's, it's funny looking at it through this lens of, you know, you don't know who's got it. You don't know, like the whole virus infection lens works really well for the thing. Um, but going back to what you were talking about with the Cold War and the you don't know who's on what side and and it, it, in my brain, I always think spies. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think like uh, for me, that same principle definitely applied. I never really thought of it through that lens though like you said historically a lot of films were adapted or stories were adapted in films through that lens um I felt that way but more on a like individual community level um thinking like more along the lines of of betrayal within a community and not mm-hmm. knowing, I mean, nowadays you might just call this petty drama, but <laughs> not knowing who is listening to what story, who's on your side, or mm-hmm. even more like significant and nefarious, like white supremacy or homophobia, you don't know who around you espouses those beliefs. Um, and mm-hmm. that fear, like, that's the fear that I feel when when I watch this film. Mm-hmm. But then there's monsters and and things growing out of people's bodies and so <laughs> spider heads, spider heads. Yeah, no, but- I'm with you. Like like because it's um one of the things that I think is responsible for the film still landing so well, and it's and it's definitely better received now than it was in 1982 because in 1982. It didn't do well at the box office, um, in part because, like, you know, that was a the Reagan, like the the you know the eighties were were a weird time in American culture. You know, people didn't want to be critical. They didn't want um, 
to be they didn't want their brain cells to work you know so they liked happy-go-lucky stuff like et and it was et's wonderful absolutely but that's more the type of alien fare that they were in the mood for that year you know um so something as bleak and as cynical and as you know critical and you know the the gun-toting americans lose maybe um and it's ambiguous but maybe uh, a lot of them do lose is not the vibe that really connected with american audiences in 1982 and in terms of like gore and in terms of uh you know it's sort of like cynical impact it was so ahead of its time like all those things now can make hundreds of millions of dollars easy at the box office but at the time, you know, critics were really down on it and it didn't do well. Uh, but now it's, it's undergone a lot of critical and popular reevaluation. Uh, case in point, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, the bastion of all cinematic uh, objective knowledge, has like 83% critic rating and 92% audience rating with a huge swath of reviews in both categories. So it's been heavily reevaluated because I think those themes you're mentioning, Luna, are still, even though the Cold War has been over for, you know, many of us don't even remember it uh, or weren't alive, those themes are still resonant and poignant. And like, you don't know, you know, when you're sitting down at the Thanksgiving dinner table, what's in your uncle's head, you know, or <laughs> you, you maybe do and you really don't want to confirm it. Like, you don't, you don't want to test that. Exactly. Don't talk about, and that's the other thing too. Um, when when this came out, like it was a lot of things. Uh, the, the coming out like right after ET was a big part of it, I think. But yeah. also the um, the tendency to just prefer the spoon fed stuff, yeah, um, was a thing, and still is a thing. Uh, as a lot of people in the horror community now are seeing, some people still saying keep your politics out of my horror and sorry so to say weirdest. but it's always been there <laughs> yeah and i'm like what have you been watching that. this whole time <laughs> yeah well it's it's it just reminds me of this like uh i, I just read this article about how so the, not horror but the the amazon series the boys is out you know uh mm-hmm. season three is out and it's it's a really good series. It's basically just like, what if superheroes were real? And if they were real, they'd be kind of assholes and controlled by corporations. And it would be branding. And it's a really smart show. Season three is really good. Uh, check out my review, folks at home. Um, but uh, self-promotion. Uh, self um, but the thing is, I, I read this article about how like a lot of right-wing fans of the show are just realizing now that some of the heroes who are total assholes Wait, are villains evil like oh he was a, exactly he was like uh he was a superhero supremacist at best and a complete sociopath that murdered people casually did you think he was a hero you should be arrested to save time like wow <laughs> yeah that's depressing I mean, wait, it was it was episode one with the airplane right where he just yeah. like mm-hmm. does that yeah i mean how can you read that as like you know he's got his issues but i'm sure he'll he's he's gonna get better 
no, no, yeah. like the show was trying to tell you that there's no hope for this guy. Yeah, he, like that was incredible. Like that is really baffling to me to believe that people wow. in season three <laughs> are yeah. realizing. I I know, like that this show is about politics and american politics like come on especially with like, yeah. the whole uh arc of season two with like uh what's her name the portland's new superhero i'm forgetting the name uh but like that whole thing like yeah how did you, how did you not get this like into your head? a literal nazi yeah it's yeah. like literally like the whole arc of season two is nazis are bad yep and if you don't think they're bad you're also bad like, and then I feel like season three was, oh, I'm sorry. Did you not get what we were saying by Nazis? <laughs> we went, we meant MAGA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, it puts like uh, a Blu-ray season three puts a, like a, a DVD case of, of season two in like a pillowcase and just whacks you over the head with it yes. until you get the point. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, that's how I feel anyway. Like watching it, it's like, like the showrunners were like, I'm so, did you not see the last season? Did you not hear what we were saying? <laughs> yeah. So shout out to Eric Kripke. Uh, come on the show. Uh, we'll talk about how superheroes are monsters. That's a really great idea. That's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless damn. like some right winger MAGA people are just like secretly have the, the exact same milk fetish as Homelander <laughs> and that they just really identified with that, you know? That could be it. Well, but, weirdly, I mean... there, there is a weird thing about like white supremacists and milk. There is. Yeah, there That's really a whole is. Thing. It's fucking weird. I'm it's like, a whole you, thing. you dumb assholes. Like, just because something is white, you don't gotta like stand it, okay? Like, <laughs> I'll say this, folks at home, you don't necessarily know what I look like, but I'm a very white individual. I'm almost translucent. Um, and <laughs> I will say right now, white supremacists both suck and are not the best representatives of literally any category of people. They're We're the most like, boring people. What? Why even fight? Yeah, <laughs> why like, even fight? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> come on. It's like we need to make like a, like a World War II style documentary because I like Americans have like why we fight. We need to do like why even fight? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what are we protecting? Green bean casserole? Like, oh, hey, yeah. hey, you know what? I gotta defend that mayo shelf because. Mm. <laughs> like uh no it's yeah. just fucking they're not they're just not the best or brightest uh white supremacists case in point they don't know how to watch the boys and they don't historically know how to watch things like the thing and realize like guys you can think a little bit deeper friend like you can use your two brain cells it's too hard it's too <laughs> hard and i, I do want to say like i, I obviously I agree with everything that you're saying and thank you for calling out white supremacy because it's absolute bullshit fucking um, hate it completely <laughs> but like there is a big difference between people to me or at least I assume mm. you know this is just my personal assumption but I think there's a big difference between people who are like I refuse like I'm watching this movie but I I guess I equate these people to like the folks that um, give movies a bad review and the only thing they say is subtitles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, yeah. So That's like, I, it's the people that refuse to think critically. Like they're just, they watch a film and they're like, I don't like it because yeah. it, whatever. 
it, there's there's nothing they just didn't think about it um but then there are the people that don't watch these films or don't think critically about them because they are battling a whole lot in their life and they're yeah. overwhelmed and they're just like I I don't watch horror because it's too much because it is it's a ton mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. social commentary and politics and if right. you're not in the mood to to deal with that then you probably shouldn't watch it horror. yeah yeah I tell I, my friends all the time like yeah, if you're overwhelmed, you should not watch this film. <laughs> yeah, if it's not already something that's therapeutic for you and already you're into the it and what it entails, then yeah, it's not the time to start. <laughs> like, right. But give yourself the right said, headspace. Yeah, but like there, that doesn't mean that, like I just, like those, there are two very separate groups of people, but one of them are assholes and yeah. <laughs> terrible. Right. Yeah. Right. The, but they often think that they're the other group. So yeah. it's like this whole thing where it's like, oh, I just, you know, don't watch films that have politics in them, but it's because I'm so over what, like, there's like this whole cyclical thing that happens. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so basically if you don't want to watch the thing, or you think that the thing is a bad film because you don't understand how the guys with the boomsticks lost, <laughs> you might be <laughs> in one some, of those groups of people. <laughs> might have some conversations to have with yourself. With yourself. Um, yeah. Like I get, the thing is one of those movies where I, I get, like it is my favorite horror film. It's one of my favorite films, period. Uh, but if it, if someone doesn't, if it's not their favorite, that's so subjective. Great, yeah. that's fine. Like you know, if you know my, uh, I know people are like, oh well, I love the thing, but like Aliens, my favorite. I'm like, it's also a masterpiece. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay, no no notes. But if you think the thing is a bad film, then you're wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. You're incorrect. Yeah. I know. I actually I think about that all the time because I try to like to listen to myself when I speak, right? And like be like, okay, yeah. you know, am I just be imparting my view? But like the thing as a as a film, as a cinematic product, is everything that cinema is supposed to be. So if mm -hmm. you think that the thing is bad like a bad film I mm -hmm. need the notes I need the proof like you have to why you have to argue that for me and we're going to talk about it for a long time because <laughs> I need to understand exactly what you mean like we said earlier every aspect of this film the cinematography the script the production the directing mm -hmm. everything in this film is done so thoughtfully and even if you don't necessarily like, you know, aliens or body horror, or jump scares or whatever, it doesn't mean the film is bad. Mm -hmm. It means you just don't like it. You don't yeah, like which that is different aspect, thing. which exactly. is a different thing. Yeah. And if you, if your argument is that, you know, I don't like spider heads. Yeah. That's totally fine. Yeah. But if your argument is, 
uh, I can't even think of one because it literally does not make sense to my brain. <laughs> they didn't yeah. explain things to me. You oh, know, don't get one. me started <laughs> on that one. There's, also, there's not like a lot of expository dialogue. Everything is really shown. Like, that's because you have to think. Uh-huh. And then like, then <laughs> yeah. that's supported by the sound design. And like, that's exactly what films should be doing. Because right. it's a visual language. It's not one that's like, yes. at you. Exactly. Like, so like one thing that, absolutely, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Um, oh no, that, that was the end of my, my thing. No, it's just like, uh, uh, but not the end of the thing. Um, <laughs> but I, I just wanted to, to echo exactly what, what you're saying. Cause like, I mean, Hitchcock said that like, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but basically because it's a visual medium, like pure cinema has to be visual and, you know, you should be able to, un- it, a really well-made film, you should be able to understand it almost completely without sound, you know? Mm-hmm. Not that that doesn't add even more, and it does here, but it's such a powerful visual medium, exactly like you're saying, that if you can't do that, they didn't do their job well enough. And here, aces. Yeah. 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 Agreed. I mean, that's, that's all visual art, right? It's all yeah. performance art, visual yep. art, fine arts. It's just you have to show what you're saying and your audience is comes away being like actually honestly I kind of hate it when I'm talked to like I think we talked Mm -hmm. about this at some point or maybe not I either have a lot of dreams and they're not all real so (laughs) (laughs) but like I've had I definitely had this conversation with my partner at the end of hereditary I mm. love the end of Hereditary. I hate that I was told what happened. Sure. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I just saw it. You don't have to tell me. Yeah, like, um, you don't but... need to, your filmmaking was effective, friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I really love that film and I love that how they end it. But yeah, I was just like, you could have just, you didn't have to, okay. <laughs> yeah, like you didn't need yeah. the, the exposition you know like that's why like I don't know I feel like part of that is them just like it's how they view like um, the American audience you know you're right Uh, you're totally right and I'm not uh what do you call it like when you're the the example of the American target demographic yeah like that's not me I I get that like yeah And I have a hard time understanding what that is. And especially with the last six years in this country, I have no idea what an American is anymore, but. (laughs) (laughs) but Maybe longer. Yeah. But like, I I don't, I think you're right. I think that most people do want a little bit of handholding. I don't think the thing gives you that. No, but no, I don't think so. I don't think it really has to so maybe maybe if you think that films should hold your hand the thing would be a bad film I feel like it gives you enough like exposition context but like almost 100% of the exposition is like the computer you know yeah like where it's like analyzing and it's like oh this is the amount of time that would take for it to take over the world that's exposition but it's cleverly disguised as an analysis true 
um so yeah, you can like, get the stakes you sort of you're expected to kind of fill in the blanks yourself i mean like how will it do that like what are the mechanics like right none of these things the, the movie is explicitly it is its job to to tell you or show you mm-hmm. um although like i would love to see that um, you know i just right. don't think it would be very satisfying at this point no it would just yeah. be redundant yeah yeah i don't i i don't want it shown to me but i love that i get to imagine it right mm-hmm. like and you have to be really smart in filmmaking with like how you hide your exposition, you know? Like uh, a movie that did it unsuccessfully for, for me uh, recently was I saw Eternals, you know? Uh, mm, and, and I saw some, <laughs> yes. Uh, for the record, uh, there are some people that didn't like Eternals because it had like diversity and those people should be, you know, yeah. shoved down a s- stairway and into a locker. Um, yeah. Because that was the high point of the film. That was that the was best was part of the good. film. Yeah. <laughs> that was the That's best it, part yeah. of the film. Like, give me more Kingo, you know? Like, I love the diversity in that film. Uh, but, um, and, and Gilgamesh and all these other characters. But the thing that didn't work is you could really see where it was a Chloe Zhao film. And on the other hand, where it was like a Marvel movie with an exposition dump and they had to get their plot points in. Mm-hmm. Because you'd go from like, this like luxurious scene of them walking through this field and it was beautiful and very intimate, you know, and it was a five minute shot. And then you have like two minutes of 10 minutes worth of like exposition and terms, you know, Marvel's getting in that totally does not work. Pacing doesn't work because it's just an exposition dump. You know, that's what you want to avoid. You got to do it sometimes like hide it in a computer analysis, but um it's kind of like a dumbing down of the film, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. done out of a lack, either poor writing or a lack of respect for the audience, one or the other. Yeah, that, that lack of respect for the audience, I think, is what I feel. I feel insulted when, yeah. I, when I encounter that. And I, I'm trying to examine that and I'm in, examining it in real time on this podcast because <laughs> I'm just like, like, what, like, because I know I'm not the the target demographic. I know that I'm not like the average moviegoer gets the tickets for the kids. We're all going out to the movies on a Friday night. Uh, I just live at the theater. So I don't mm. know what that's like. Yeah. Um, but I just, I tend to feel insulted when filmmakers are like, well, let me just tell you everything that's happening. Um, mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. I don't, in case you just didn't have eyeballs, um, and maybe that's wrong of me. <laughs> it's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't know, but I, as far as my opinion goes, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think it, yeah. I mean, I, I think one thing that's, um, uh, something we all have in common and why I was so glad, you know, initially, and I still continue to be that both of you joined the show and that Mike joined the show is that like, we all have, like, we all get that horror has deeper meanings that all film has implied meanings, but that horror also like they're saying things, even when they're not trying to say things and they're saying Mm -hmm. things, you know, 
it, it has implications with how you build the characters and with who's cast as the characters and with what the threat is and what the threat means in context and what the characters are responding to it. Like all these things have layers of like political and social and psychological meaning that you can dig into if it's a good film and a lot of horror is good. If it's a shallow film of any genre, it's going to be like, oh, well, um, these guys got drunk and then one of them lost his wedding ring and now they're looking for it in Vegas. And that's it. Um, that's the movie. Uh, and then they find it at the end after we've seen boobs for 50 minutes. Like, oh, mm-hmm. that's not, that doesn't have usually much to say. But... Right. And it can be a great like sit and laugh, I guess, for a couple hours. Yeah. Sure. But the reason I enjoy horror and sci-fi and the tangential genres around horror is exactly what you said is because there's so much more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it it sort of invites that um, invitation to revisit it. Like if not like soon after you've seen it, maybe for the first time or second time, uh, but like at different points in your life, like, mm-hmm. you know, you've maybe you haven't gone through this part of your life yet. Uh, you're going through this uh, existential phase, you know, I'm speaking kind of vaguely here, but because like everyone's life is different. So mm-hmm. like, what do you do? Like if you become a father or a mother for the first time, that mm-hmm. changes how you look at certain like, you know, properties like um, or different movies. Like if you're a Cronenberg fan, and then all of a sudden you have kids, then like, that's a great way (laughs) for you to re-examine those movies. Um, You know, stuff like that. But but like, you know, if if you saw The Hangover when it came out, and then like, you you go through a a life-changing experience, um, maybe you you realize that you're you're not the gender you thought you were, uh, and then you come back Mm -hmm. to it. It's like, nothing really has changed. Like, maybe you'll just see like, oh, this is really objective uh, objectifying um like the the opposite sex in terms of you know playing for laughs yeah um, like you'll just notice things that kind of disappoint you and like there's not a lot of yeah. things to like really give you a reason to revisit mm-hmm. unless you just forget the plots of movies like a week after you've seen them yeah and, i mean and I, yeah like i i agree that there's not a lot to like come away with that would boost your spirit or or give you more critical thought in a way like because i don't want to say boost your spirit because i don't watch horror to boost my spirit (laughs) (laughs) well sometimes it does that (laughs) sometimes it does it always makes me like because you know i've I've said this before on the show multiple times folks at home you would know this that this is a pro monster podcast Mm -hmm. uh always assume i'm rooting for the creature uh or entity in question and I'm happy when they get a good snack, you know? It's true. Like, like, they were oh, hungry. They were they, hungry. Good they wanted you. a hug. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely, like, it's just that I get, like, escaping life, right? Like, people need mm-hmm. an escape from things, especially when things are crazy. And I like escaping into well- constructed stories and worlds on the other side of a screen that I can just 
it's so encompassing that I literally can't think about my current life and mm -hmm. situation. Yeah. I have to focus on what's going on in the picture. And mm -hmm. the thing, it, that's one of the reasons why I watch the thing all the time. I mean, several mm -hmm. times a year. Um, as far as like show like movies like the hangover and stuff people say that that's what they're watching it for right they watch they watch it to escape from re from reality and i guess i understand the that need but i don't that escape is not the type of it that's not where I want to be <laughs> like yeah. I don't want to be in a frat party for two and a half <laughs> <Yeah>. hours <laughs> like but I mean people could say that about horror right like they don't want to be lost in the woods with some entities screaming after you with too many elbows so, <laughs> I, yeah. yeah I guess you know like we're all different I, I understand I just I think that there's there are certain films that offer so much critical, like things to think about critically and to reflect on that don't involve, like you said, Andre, um, putting down or uh, making fun of some other group of people, unless it's mm -hmm. Nazis. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. They deserve it all. Absolutely. Like, honestly, here's the thing. Like my, my general thing about, um, sorry, folks at home. I mean, not really sorry, because I'm still going to do it. But, um, you know, we're going through a weird time in U.S. history, as I'm sure everybody knows. And so um, lots of things on all of our brains. I'm sure yours as well. Uh, but it has long been my opinion that the only reason why white supremacy, like, uh, appeals to anyone is because they don't have anything else about themselves or in their lives to be proud of. So they have to automatically feel better than somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't have to feel like I'm automatically better than anybody because I'm white. Because like, if I look at my life, there's things that I'm, I have accomplished that I am proud of. I am not uh, nothing. And only nothings have to feel automatically by five better than other people for no fucking reason at all. So yeah, fuck them. <laughs> Period. Uh, and feel free to, you know, honestly, none of those people are even listening to the show because I hope not. They don't, they don't do smart people things. Why would you? Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I can't imagine. Although, I mean, I'd be very interested to <laughs> see someone try to write the show or tag us in some sort of uh, like attempted <laughs> takedown because we talked about how white supremacists can't think. Oh, you yeah. know what? I mean, if they do that, bring it the fuck on. Like, I know, we, right? We, I, I, I don't, <laughs> we will take you down. <laughs> <laughs> like, shits. sorry, you feel like your life was taken away from you, even though it was your own fucking doing because you voted yeah. for the people that took it away from you. So yeah, exactly. Like you, <laughs> like oh. Uh, I'm not gonna. Anyway, get it. we're also anyway, salty. We're salty. we're so. I I was wondering how this uh, episode would go, uh, because just of really weird time. time. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. we're recording, uh, and like, 
I was like, you know, I think that we're going to be able to like, you know, in my head, I was like, we're going to be able to talk about the movie and, you know, but like, of course we were going to get really <laughs> fucking salty at some yeah. point. <laughs> well, that's the thing about this movie too, is that like, uh, if it gets to you as it should, then like, you're also examining like your, your place, you know, mm-hmm. in, in right. like the society around you and like, do you trust the people around you? It, and like right now, I don't think we do. Yeah. Um, like least now more than ever. And that especially comes from the fact that we're recording this after um, Roe v. Wade has been overturned, which has been in, in place for about 50 years. Yeah. Years, yeah. And it's, and, and the, yeah, sorry, go yeah. ahead. No, it's, it's just like a lot of people are uh, rightly, you know, feeling like terrible and bad about this, but there is like there's a split of people who are feeling bad because they think that this is the worst it can get and that is absolutely not true no Um, no and i'm not even gonna like entertain the like the the people who are happy about this because fuck them into oblivion yeah uh you know like this is like the beginning of something incredibly scary and like yeah, yeah but this isn't the beginning like i think that's no. what oh no 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 yeah is no it's like... so mind fucky for me about this right now is that like when i cried on when trump got elected this was why that yeah. was that was not even the beginning that was just the product of a ton of effort from before like it's been going on forever and it's just yeah. Every time, every summer, it feels like every summer I'm like, man, I didn't think it could get worse. And then it just keeps happening every year. Like, so yeah, no, absolutely. Like this is why the the thing that's been getting me, uh, folks at home, uh, um, now this is a therapy uh, session. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. (laughs) Grab a chair, grab your favorite beverage. Um, (laughs) This is, uh, I'm not paying for therapy. So this is what it is. Um, but the, I'll um, be talking to my therapist tomorrow. So he's going to be okay. like, what the fuck did Can you I do? Skype in? No. <laughs> um, they're like, Hey, nice beard. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's just like a weird thing where, cause, cause the people, you know, are express liberal. I will say this liberal, especially like people politician people that i've known from grad school and stuff some of them are surprised like like oh well the 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 conservatives are so like you know they're like explicitly saying white supremacist things now in public and doing all these things like ah friend uh if you look at the demographics for who voted for the gop it's literally like civil war state lines you know what i mean like other than just the country's larger so it's expanded outward you could lay those maps over each other if you look at like reagan rhetoric if you look at nixon rhetoric about like you know people of color and and stuff like that they've been white supremacists the whole time it's just like there's a difference between what they said in meetings privately behind closed doors and what they're saying at campaign rallies now it's the same shit they just acted like they were better people in the past yeah. yeah, I mean that was the big thing about Charlottesville for me. It was like, oh, they they don't wear hoods anymore. Yeah, we could see their faces. Yeah, mm-hmm. they don't feel like they need to hide their faces anymore. 
yeah, that was the most striking so power thing. now that like mm-hmm. yeah they can, they can afford that and then and that was in what 2017 like yeah. yep no yep. this is not new <laughs> people fucking assholes anyway um no the thing um the thing. <laughs> no <laughs> like this is why this film is so good though like we keep saying it but it makes you think critically about the world that you live in at the time of yeah. your viewing. So every time you watch this film, it changes. It's fresh. Yeah. Cause like it, it's, uh, it's so, especially like in times of political animosity and social, you know, antagonism, I think it lands even harder because the fil- the, the, the movie's about many things. Mm-hmm. It's apocalyptic. It's cosmic horror. It's lots of stuff. But at the end of the day, its most poignant theme is about, like you've both said, uh, so so well. I'm gonna sound stupid by comparison, but uh, it's about uh, you know how like do you know your neighbor? Do you know yourself? Like who can you actually trust? And right now, like in any time where like politically or socially, there's a lot of antagonism. There's a lot of danger. There's a lot of threat um it's it hits really hard which is why we keep we can't even though we love it to death and it's exciting and it's an enjoyable experience why we keep coming back to the moment i would imagine for both of you as well is because like it reminds us that right now we're at a time where we can't trust our family members you know what i mean like i i have family members whose facebook threads uh i wanted to print out so I could just beat them with a stack of paper because like <laughs> fuck the lot of them and uh yeah. and yeah. it it's because of the time we live in and so mm-hmm. like and when you first you know you meet someone and you might you know love have a mutual love of horror movies like let's all have a hangout because we all love John Carpenter but at the same time I don't really fucking know you so I'm not sure I can trust you mm-hmm. And right now with so much at stake, like you, you both said, like you were just saying, Andre, like it really, there's a lot of threat and there's a lot that needs to be done. And there's a lot of like bad people that need to be disempowered that are in an advantageous position. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the darkness in a lot of people, they don't feel they have to hide it anymore. So like, who the fuck can you actually trust? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, you know, I have to, I have to say this, but like people, black and brown people, people of color, BIPOC folks, trans folks, queer folks, LGBTQ folks have been feeling this way for a long fucking time. And we are watching everyone else suddenly wake up and be like, oh shit. I can't trust everyone. And we're like, we know, <laughs> we yeah. know. And so it's just, it's like when you're going through these journeys, I know Jeff, you, Jeff and Andre, obviously everyone on this podcast, Mike is included. Like, I know you all know, but to the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. While you're going through this journey, just, just remember that this is not a novel concept. This is not a novel like experience we've 
we've been dealing with this for a very long time and maybe like listen to us because we told you that this was going to happen like ages ago and and yeah. i don't i'm not even going to start getting into eugenics but it's here yeah <laughs> so like start looking around right and 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 here you know what what's interesting is like because i'm you know uh very like straight passing uh you know I, i'm in a relationship with a woman or whatever like and i'm you know again very white um um but it's but at the same time you know like i'm i'm you know a bisexual hydrocephalic with an autistic brother and my partner is native american and like uh all these eugenics and shit that's starting to come out and that's clearly the plan um is worrisome as hell and i don't and it it it's threatening to people you wouldn't expect at face value because like you wouldn't think that I would be one of the people that like would be the target of this type of shit, you know? But like, you really don't know. Like, That's why it's terrible is because you don't, it will impact people you don't realize. Like these, these white supremacist folks, like they are going against their brothers and sisters and, yeah. you know, other family members that they think that they're protecting yeah it's not sustainable and it never will be and that's why they're a minority it's just that we're in a minority rule country right now right right and like like when that you know they're they're waging war against lgbtq people you know that's you know i'm straight passing but that's me and frankly that would be dangerous for them (laughs) they would have a bad time absolutely sorry folks at home uh just fair warning all of my friends here know this uh i don't really get scared or sad i just get angrier and angrier which is why my totem is shin godzilla because it's a walking (laughs) pile of hatred that destroys things and that's the only mode i got (laughs) so fuck i get Um, um animated and then very sad yeah but that's why i lean on you for all the anger you're very good at that yes it's always at the right people, which is what I pride myself in. I don't, I don't ever misdirect it that I know of. So if you ever did, I'd let you know. Be like, Good. yo, I'm checking yeah. you. Good. I, I, I think if we ever like were physically near each other and like this, uh, this started to feed into each other, um, we would just simply form Voltron with our, uh, you know, yes. um, <laughs> our sense of justice that has to be doled out, right? I'll be yeah. the biceps. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, oh man, Mike. Uh, Mike will have to chime in later on what part of what part of the Zord he's forming. <laughs> it would probably be the legs. I that. feel yeah, that's good. I can definitely I like see that. that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like I'd be the torso. You know what I mean? Like for some reason, I don't know who's the head though. <laughs> it's gotta be Andre. Yeah, yeah, that works. Well, yep. okay. oh, what did you want to be? Well, I, I was saying the legs. Oh, you were you also going to be, be like, so you and Mike were the legs. Well, let's see. So are, are we going Power Rangers rules or Voltron? <laughs> let's go Voltron. Let's go Voltron. Okay. Because in that case, there's, um, I think the legs is just piloted by one person. Okay. 
there's like the central commands uh, mm -hmm. that controls both of them, but it's like, uh, I think depending on the version I that you're watching, yeah. it's um, <laughs> usually like mind control. Um, you so know, let's say let's regardless of whether or not this is true for Voltron, let's say that the legs are commanded by one person. Okay, so then that would this. probably be me. Um, <laughs> I, I feel uh, like the that that tiger would would definitely bond with me. Okay, <laughs> I like love tiger. it. I love it. Well, you heard it here for uh, first, folks. That is the authoritative um, analysis of minus Mike. We'll we'll catch up with them soon. Uh, of which one of us would be which part of the Voltron Zord that distributes justice to the baddies. Um, mm -hmm. It's also possible that in practice, we would end up with thing-like rules where any one of us could take on the whole motherfucking thing. Oh yeah, um, 100%. Yeah. It's like which... if you hit our like our like our sweet spot or like most animated thing that makes us like really, really passionate and angry, then that person takes over. Yeah, that's kind of what I imagine. Um, uh, for the record, I kind of uh, super rules Luna. I kind of picture you kind of like ghostwriter. You know what I mean? Oh Cause yeah, like, I'm in. Cause you do like the chain stuff, right? Yeah. And that's flaming change is part of his shtick. Oh yeah. You know? I would a hundred percent fuck up some white supremacists with a flaming chain. <laughs> would love that. Um, Andre, <laughs> you got to decide your weapon of choice, friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Um, we can think about this. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll come back There's to this. Time. We're gonna slowly build okay. our Voltron persona, and then we'll release it on Patreon. I, I feel like I'm <laughs> more of a bludgeoning type of person. <laughs> okay. I, you know what? There's some poetry to that. You know, that's yeah, yeah. That's that's 100%. a classic. <laughs> I think uh, for I me, I got more... a lot of uh, work with a sledgehammer when I was up at uh, circus school. So. Putting, putting those stakes in the ground for the tent. So You've been practicing. This is good. I got you. I love it. <laughs> but okay, um, to, to pivot back, um, back and forth and back and forth. Um, uh, but yeah, that's, that's why I think this lands for us so hard and why it's all of these other contextual things come to mind because like at times where it's like this and you don't trust your neighbor, that's literally what the movie's about. You know, you can watch it at different times. Like the last time I watched it before all this, that wasn't really on my mind. You mm -hmm. know, at the time I watched it before that, that's something different. I was looking at different factors, you know? Um, and right now, you know, that's the lens that becomes most prominent. And with any good multifaceted work of art, you're going to find that. Yeah. At that, I feel like... Uh, I didn't even expect it to go there. Folks at home, I'm literally doing this with no notes. This is all just like how it's affecting me as it's evolving uh, because, uh, you know, it's a powerful film to watch at all times and especially at times like this when you don't trust your fucking neighbor. So um, thank you for, for putting up with us. Um, and I hope that wherever you are, that you are doing well and that you have your people and that um, you continue to do well. and Taking care uh, of yourself. Yeah, because here's the thing. Uh, I'm not looking at you and we're, we're yakking and you're, you're listening or you're watching, but uh, all of y'all matter to me. And uh, so I hope you're doing okay. And um, at that, 
Luna, Andre, thank you both so much for for stopping by and hanging out and getting really real. And uh, sure. yeah, Andre, how can the folks at home find you? Um, they can find me at Twitter. Uh, my handle is Demoni Disco. Uh, Demoni in the Italian and Disco, I guess, is also Italian. So Demoni Disco. Um, you can also find me. I write some horror reviews for Geek Vibes Nation. Uh, I also follow. Um, well, I, I also do some other film reviews at Celluloid Consume uh, for features that I don't get for Geek Vibes Nation. Um, and then I'm also a semi-regular co-host of uh, Mike Bond's uh, Return of the Living Geeks. Uh, we just did a live stream not too long ago uh, with um, Ace Von Johnson from LA Guns, and we just talked horror and did a, uh, a fundraiser for um, uh, for pit bulls that are displaced because of, um, you know, the idea that people have about them. Mm, and yeah. um, that's pretty much it for now. If you're in the Seattle area, I do project film over at the Grand Illusion Cinema. So if you're there uh, and you know me, or, or if you don't know me, like this is getting back to the uh, conspiratorial angle, yeah. um, just, just tell me. Tell me if you like the thing and why, and then I'll give you a free ticket. There we oh, go. Oh, I love it. <laughs> love yes. it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and check that out. Uh, thank you so much, Andre. Uh, Luna, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Luna underscore Minwi. Um, that's M I N U I T. And I don't really have, I mean, I have a lot coming up but nothing i can really like market right now okay so just stay tuned hey we'll still uh be promoting your stuff and you'll still be on the show so uh when you can be upfront about it absolutely folks at home you'll hear about it uh -huh. uh, thank you so much for for stopping by again and uh for for everyone out there you know you can again follow me at, at real jeff ewing i'm always doing you know reviews uh and interviews at forbes I got interviews uh, from the boys coming out. I got interviews from different, uh, a couple of different cool things coming out. Um, I'm always doing reviews, doing stuff at Slash Film Looper. Um, and uh, in my infinite free time, I'll probably be doing like eight more things that I probably shouldn't have tried to fit on my calendar, but I'm probably <laughs> doing anyway. And then I'm publicizing it to you. So stay tuned. And uh, now... You know, I, I know everyone at home has been through a lot, but when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of my Sunday tied to this fucking couch. <laughs> yes. Once more, I'd like to extend a special thanks to our guests this episode and to all of you out there listening. From the dawn of record human civilization, we've been fascinated by monsters and the monstrous. They've inhabited our dreams and nightmares. They've been our protectors and our villains. They've symbolized our fears and vices, our hopes and potential. Fears of creatures and the night that nourishes them were key inspirations and fuel for the rise of human civilization, the need to get out of the shadows, behind the walls, and into the light. In many ways, understanding our monsters is an important part of understanding our world and ourselves. So thank you for taking this journey with us, we humanoids from the deep dive. <laughs>